Hi, and oh, wow, another week has gone by already, but I still have Apostle Barry Cook with me. This is Apostle Baker, J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology, and she has with her today Apostle Barry Cook, who is a doctor in theology. And this man is so, he's phenomenal. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he and I are, are becoming very good friends. And I just love being around him. He is funny. He is fun. He's all of those things. But uh, that's not the side you're going to get. Not, I mean, not all of that side you're going to get. The thing of it is, is this heart about the body of industry and how things are, not just when we're talking about women, but uh, the the different aspects of religion, different types of things. And without any other further ado, without any other further ado, that didn't make sense. But at any rate, I'm bringing on Apostle Barry. Come on, Apostle. Praise God. <laughs> it's uh, hard to believe we made it through another week, isn't it? I'll I'll tell you what, feeling good and thank, thankful for the Lord. And good to be with you again and continue this subject. Um, yeah, we left off last week. I was headed to deal with the scripture on 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. And Doc, I just want to say I appreciate um, the past programs as well that we've been able to do. I know another uh, two in this series. And then before that, I think we did four uh, preceding that. I, like I said, I don't know where they're located, but they're probably out there somewhere. Well, we'll uh, find them. Other, uh, they'll find them if they're not. As we continue on, they'll get they'll 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 get those because this is a. Yeah, well, and it's a subject that people can almost hear over and over because they've had been pounded with opposing perspective without documentation for a long time, and um, and so any any lawyer can use a law. Any good lawyer can use the same law from a different perspective and overturn it. That's from an attorney's book on how to prosecute. But anyway, I love reading those kind of books. It helps me speak and it helps me understand how clear I have to make messages. And we're talking in 1 Corinthians 14. We started with Jezebel on the last show. What a great time we had, different subjects that came up. And then we're headed towards um, 1 Corinthians 14. And by the way, we weren't just talking about Jezebel's negative attributes, aside from the, my experience with the lady at the store. But, no. but <laughs> you'll have to go back and listen, guys, to get that one. But anyway... <laughs> But we were talking about the fact that she was a woman. She was esteemed. She was given position, which meant she had to be the deacon. She had to be an elder. She had to come up through the rank. So she, she was a woman teacher. It was normal. It was normal. Just as we've talked about in all these programs, we're the ones that have issues with it. It wasn't an issue in the New Testament. It wasn't. I mean, even when people say, well, in the Old Testament. People don't think she was real in the New Testament. The only Jezebel that they think about is Ahaz's wife. I understand. Yeah. Well, I'm the only uh, Barry in the world. That's a joke. I mean, <laughs> listen, I remember the first time I figured that when I was working at a health club back in, in the early 80s. And, and I went in there and I was made manager. And I thought, I'm just going to look. And now that I have access, I want to see how many Barry Cooks are in here. And it was like 119 with the same, same middle initial. 
And I was like, what the heck? Just a member of this gym. Then it made me think, I wonder how many's in the whole city. It was like hundreds. I was like, I don't know one, but I guess there is. So anyway, um, um, but my fact was, as we were talking about, she was a positioned, anointed, respected teacher. And she got in position and they began to abuse her authority and teach things about being seductive and using your seductiveness to maneuver your way through the kingdom of God and, um, and idolatry, um, which it doesn't express what she said about idolatry. People speculate on it. It doesn't really say, but the, and I think I like it general, but like, honestly, because we had a great discussion about there's so many things, even in our, even in our supposedly free, you know, evangelical groups, many times they develop some type of idolatry towards something, a doctrine, a belief, a practice or something that has nothing to do with scripture. It is the commandments of men. It's not the doctrine of God. There is a specific difference as Jesus taught. And then we begin headed back over to 1 Corinthians 14 to deal with this text because last time I dealt with Timothy um, on the surface and I'm going to go deeper later on, but, but I didn't get to this text. And so I began setting it up about chapter seven, Paul deals with marriage problems. We had some good jokes about that one. Chapter eight, he deals with the problem of meats offered to idols, which we had a good time talking about several of these and didn't make it all the way to the text actually, because uh, the Lord really started magnifying some things in this scripture. Uh, and nine, he deals with the support of the ministry. And again, we had a good time talking about that one. In chapter 10, he deals with temptations like Israel did in the Old Testament and not to fall into those same practices. And uh, that's very good for us to learn. And, and it's also a good text for the people that say that the Old Testament is no longer valuable today and that the, um, you know, the people only had, um, you know, that we're only supposed to listen to the Holy Spirit. But in actuality, all the New Testament writers in all of their writing we're getting the revelation from the Old Testament. They just didn't see the law. They saw Christ. They, their lens changed from seeing legalistic things to finding Christ in all the scriptures, just like Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And it says he found himself in the scriptures from the beginning all the way up till now. And they were like, oh my God, he taught them how to find him and hold the scriptures after he left. You know, oh, just phenomenal. And then chapter 11, you know, he covers some of the grooming codes for men and also um, order for communion, you know, <laughs> and they were, they were they were kicking it around at the communion table. As you know, they're eating and drinking and getting drunk while they're taking communion. And he's like, homies, you've got to stop, you know. What's up, man, my people's down here. They're like, well, we hate that golden calf thing. Really? So you're sitting around getting drunk while you're drinking communion. I see. I see. You'd have been making a golden cap too. But anyway, golden Gucci cap. Um, <laughs> some circles. Chapters 12 and 13 and 14 deal with the operation of the gifts of the spirit. And a lot of people say he was dealing with love in, in, in 13. So that's a lot. It is. But the, he was taught his context is the gifts of the spirit. First, he talks about them in 12 individually. Then he moves over to, 
to discussing what makes them powerful and work the most effectively. And if you don't have this component, they don't work properly. If you don't have, remember he says, if you don't have these, then it's nothing. You can have faith to move mountains, but you don't have love, it's nothing. He goes on and on. You can feed the poor and do all this stuff, but if you don't have love, it's nothing. If you're doing it for publicity stunts or, you know, if you think Photoshopping your picture in front of an African tribe <laughs> makes you uh, look legit, I'm just telling you, I'm, we're laughing because we know people that do that silly stuff. And, and the devil is a liar. And, uh, and then they're trying to teach. No, no wonder they don't pass down the way they do things to the next generation. <laughs> they're going to catch on. And anyway, and at the close of chapter 14, 34 and 35, he deals with talkative wives who disrupt the service by asking their husbands questions in the services. Now, again, it should be remembered that in 1 Corinthians 11, 5, that men and women should pray and prophesy and teach in the church. So he's not saying don't pray and prophesy and teach in the church. He just got through saying that they should be doing this and just make sure that you do it under authority, which is his issue still. He does not contradict himself. And so these verses have to be interpreted in light of the custom and, and also Paul's previous, all of his teachings concerning women. I mean, if you read in one chapter and he's calling them deaconess and he's calling them elders and he's calling them pastors and he's calling them prophets and he's calling them teachers, and then you take this one verse that tells him you need to shit it, you need to shut up. That doesn't make sense. You have to ask what was going on here for him to say that, because that doesn't, so it change, all of a sudden it changes all these other references? No, silly, silly man. It doesn't change any of the other references. Um, it, it, and, and isn't that crazy that some of our pastors who's supposed to study the Bible don't even see that the fact that he said all this, you know what? It makes me wonder if it doesn't live inside of them, and that's the problem. Yeah, come on now. I mean, just like racism. <laughs> it's the same way. Well, you know, we just don't have any of them come to my church. Oh, there we go already. Go ahead. They, them. Isn't that what the other community wants you to do? <laughs> it ain't a they, them. It's your brothers and sisters. That's who it is. Well, well we don't have any. If it doesn't live in you, uh, people will feel comfortable in your church, wherever you're from, whatever background that is, and whatever, whether you come from an uh, Afrocentrically based church or a, a Eurocentrically based church or, you know, or whatever, you know, uh, um, you have other people. That's why I, I love it. And I've been blessed to always have many nations in my church and draw people, and pastors are forever asking me, so what do you do to market to the black people? And I'm thinking, I'm going to punch you in the nose. I'm just going to punch you in the nose. That's what I do. I punch preachers in the nose that ask that stupid question. <laughs> That's a joke, people. I don't punch preachers in the nose. Okay? No, but, I do it for him. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's so stupid. I mean, it's like, no, I'm not. I don't, you know, I don't do that particularly. Now I did, you know, anyway. I mean, I do bust, do things to break through racial barriers, but I won't take it that direction either on the show. 
I try to keep keep it moving or I'll get into my, some of my stories about trying to break racism. And I go to some pretty radical lengths to, to break it, but it's the level the people. Well, and in, in one of these things, it's really an interesting thing. I was talking to someone yesterday and uh, one of the things of it is, is this, do you know one of the things that would break it, would help to break it? If people were actually born from above <laughs> and everybody was made from one blood, I've talked about this before. I was a nurse before I was a doctor. I have never had a doctor to tell me, give me some of that black blood, give me some of that white blood, give me some of that Mexican blood, give me some of that Asian blood. And if we recognize that we're made of one blood, you know, they used to say, if you got one drop of black blood, then you're not white, okay? If you, you know, uh, all of these things. And so I, I really see it as the only racist there is. Now, listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. The only racist there is, is the devil. <laughs> and when he lives rather than you letting God live in you, then there is racism that's in you because that's who's governing you. I mean, our congregation, as uh, uh, anybody that's been here, is multicultural, yeah. okay? All different nationalities, all different colors, all different everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, some of them, you don't know who, what they are, but, uh, you know, we know that they're made from that one blood. So, and then it goes back to, I know people go ask you, how did Noah have J. Beth and him? How did he have all them different color families coming out of one wife and one husband? Uh, maybe it's because we're made of one blood and it goes however it is that it goes, you know. Anyway, but that's not our question. That's not our thing. But we go wherever we want to go. Anyway. Question. Yeah, and and I, I again, I'm like, oh, do I go? <laughs> but I mean, it's a great subject, and, and and you know what? The thing is, too, when people went to live in other lands, um, they develop by the type of weather it is, by the land there is, by the. I mean, this is this is an. A, I mean, it doesn't mean they change from a person to a giraffe. It means they're going to develop. There's their own adaptation of processes in their body are going to develop over time to if it's constantly cold weather, they will develop generationally tendencies of survival in that region. That's something God put in us. You right. Your skin develops to it, just like whether, you know, if you're in the scorching heat on a constant, but you're over generations, you develop immunities and things even in your systems that, that your melatonin increases and it's a fact it does even white folks you stick them in that environment and their generations down the road they're not so white anymore and they all get tan when it gets hot out because they've learned adaptation where in the right. beginning they just got freckles you know <laughs> but as it goes along <laughs> they get a little tan around their freckles you know or whatever i mean it just it's the fact i mean no, even nose sizes, ear canal sizes, eye, the way your eyes work, depend on the environment. If you're in the city environment, if you're in a trip. Anyway, I could go on. And that's a whole other story that a lot of people yes, look, at Australia. look at someone from Australia or someone from South Africa, someone from all of these different places. Uh, you look at a Southern. Uh, one, OK, I'm going to do this one and then I'll be let you go into what you're doing. You look at a Southern black person and then you look at a Northern black person. You right. they, 
you, you got a total difference. My sister was born in Mississippi. I was born in California. We are definitely same father, same mother, but we are totally different. It's because of where she was and where I am. Yeah. You know, to totally different cultural thinking. So yeah. that's not. You know, hey, doctor, you know that after somebody dies and the body decays, when they do a DNA test, the only, you know, there's only one thing they can tell. That's whether you're a male or female. That's right. That fits in that trans category as well. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> the only thing they can tell. Not, not what you said you were, sorry. <laughs> you can say, I was a black man when I was alive. You liar. I mean, liar. you ain't going to know from that. Not yeah. unless they do a really deep-seated yeah. you know, DNA uh, deal. But on the on basic uh, DNA testings, it's going to tell me whether I had, uh, whether I was a male or whether I was a oh, female. Yeah. That's, that's it. And so doesn't matter how I dressed, what I put on, didn't put on. That's right. With a wig on, you know, what it was going to be, he was a male. Anyway. Okay, well, we, have, we, have just, uh, well, we want to trust science instead, so we should not lean on science. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay, moving right along. Um, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I promise you I won't just offend a select few. So, <laughs> so anyway, he doesn't, con Paul didn't contradict himself. He gets into this. I wrote down he didn't contradict himself, so I'd remember to bounce off of it. So, in verses 14, though, he goes on and can be interpreted in the light of Paul's command and his whole teaching concerning women. He's speaking to the same exact church he just told, told them how to pray, when you prophesy, when you teach, you know, make sure. Da, 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 da. So he tells them that several chapters back. Now he's coming up and he's talking on this on this subject. And. It's same thing. He's still talking to the same church, still the same context. He's still breaking down the chapters, trying to set order in each particular area that he has been. Now he's trying to set order with this. Let your women keep silent in the church, verse 34. And now you compare it with verse 35. It's referring to wives as they are to ask their husbands at home. The revised version says, let the women not your women, <laughs> let the women. It is not a general statement to silence all women for saying anything in the churches. Women may pray, they may prophesy, they may teach, they may lead, they may be an elder or a deacon, uh, but it's a keep silence. Verse 35, the Greek word silence is sigio or sigi, or we say siege, um, and it means to be silent, to hiss or to hush or to, to make silent, or they're hissing out loud, you know, talking, and it's disrupting the service so much. You ever have people do that? They're like talking behind you in service, and after a while, you just kind of give them that Holy Ghost glance, you know, like, hey, shut up. You're trying to be nice, but you know, they're disrupting stuff. The words are used, the same words used throughout the New Testament, and I'm going to buzz through this just but I'm going to say, give the references. I'm not going to look them all up, but then I'm going to center in on two of them in Corinthians. Uh, the words are used in Acts 15, 12, the same word. Acts 13, 21 and 40. Acts uh, uh, 12 and 17. Uh, Romans 16, 25. 
1 Corinthians 14, 28 and 30 and 34, Revelation 8, 1, and Luke 9, 36, 20 through 26. What? The same word silence is used. And, and why is that important? Because when you look it up and look at the context that it's used in in other places, you see how it was used in this place, people's. You know, this is not, this is a pablum. This is jumping into the word and studying it. Study to show yourself approved. A workman rightly able to divide the word of truth. Don't just repeat poop that people say. Don't just repeat whatever people say to you. Be a Berean and go study to see if these things be so. Even if they're an eloquent preacher and they have a good name and they draw a big crowd and, you know, they, you know, people who and all of them, that doesn't mean if something doesn't hit right, go look it up, you know, but you got to know how to study. People don't learn how to study these days because they won't sit in a Sunday school class to teach it. And most churches don't teach you even how to study your Bible anymore. And when they do, it's, there's some grandpa that, you know, he don't really care. He just wants to do something. And he, he you know, he boring his heck and he can't keep the people there. I mean, it should be a primary concern of ours. If a person speaks in tongues and there's no interpreter, then they are to be silent. 1 Corinthians 14, 28. You hear that? Same word. That doesn't mean there's not supposed to be tongues. It says if there's not no one to interpret, then they should be silent. 1 Corinthians 14, 28. Again, that doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. It says there's an order to doing it. I mean, by the time I get finished with this, people that argue with it probably have a devil. <laughs> Okay, that's a religious assumption. But anyway, it could be. But if the prophets, <laughs> it's seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, you know, come in that category, if there's a category. If the prophets have something revealed to them, then the first is to be silent. And what do you mean if the prophets? But I'm a prophet. No, no, no. There's a different word. Now it's talking about a matured prophet, a, a prophet, an office prophet that is recognized as a church office prophet. Okay, they come in and say, but even those church office prophets have to understand if a, if someone comes in with an even greater grace than them, they've got to be able to recognize it and say, and that guy has to be mature enough to recognize that's not his church. And even though, you know, and if, but if, if someone says, you know what, brother, I'm going to yield if you have anything. Well, matter of fact, I do, but you know, it's your place. I give you now, see, now we've got honor being given back and forth instead of either one of them just taking authority and assuming authority, you know. And so um, <laughs> I just love this subject when we get into it. But but it, it says, if the prophets have something revealed to them, let one be silent, the other one speak. Then 1 Corinthians 14.30. And if a woman <laughs> wants to ask questions of her husband, she must do it at home and be silent in the church. Now, the interesting thing about this is it's not a mandate to silence the women in the church any more than to silence a speaker in tongues or a prophetic word. It's simply Paul trying to give clarity. Of course, we have interpretations of the original language, but like I said, if you look it up and you compare it to the chapters, that's that's exactly what he's saying. And he's using the same word that he used along the thing. 
So, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, for it's a shame <laughs> for women to speak in the church. That's a shame. Oh, that's disgusting. I've heard preachers say that. I've seen the clips even recently of it going around. That's such a shame. What a shame it brings to the God. What I'm thinking, what a shame you bring to the pulpit, brother. You know, for people who study, you definitely don't stand for those. Uh, verses 34 and 35, the Greek used several different words to express speech. Each are translated as the same word speak. I'm watching my time, by the way. The Greeks use, I'm watching it. The Greeks use several different words to express. Now, now they use the word L-E-G-E-I-N, elegin, to deliver an ordered discourse, or epain, which is to speak in an ordinary conversation, or legin, which is to chatter, babble, prattle, gabble, gossip, talk in an undertone. That's the word that's used. It's not talking about giving a discourse. It's not talking about you just saying good things. It's not It's not talking about you preaching. It's saying when you're chattling, babbling, coming against, you know, I don't understand this. Why is he saying that? I thought about this scripture says this. And why in the heck is he saying that? I want you tell me right now. In the church, why the preacher's trying to preach? What a fool. That's a foolish woman, as the book of Proverbs says. And it'd be a foolish guy if he did the same thing. You know, just to make it clear, it's not about women. But the Lydell and Scott's lexicon, the following means are given. It means to chatter a babble of birds, to twitter, to chirp, to strictly, to make an inarticulate sound, to make groans, grunts, or expressions of disagreement. <clears throat> oh. I mean, can you see them sisters up in there rolling them eyes and doing that neck all over the place? No, I don't think so. <laughs> He think he gonna tell me all that, you know, and then mumbling stuff all over. And, and Paul's saying, shut up. Could you just be act mature for a minute and get on through the service and don't draw attention to you and let the preacher finish? So Paul's correcting the church in Corinth, their disorder in the services. That's all he's doing. He says, let the wise be quiet. They're not permitted to gabble and underrate the minister in an undertone and make huffing noises and puffing noises and disturb the speaker and the hearers. And the women had lately been converted from heathenism. They were hungry for the gospel. Most of them, this wasn't like a negative thing. They're trying to understand what's being said. As we've talked about in the past, most of the women didn't get a formal education, only the men. That didn't mean the men got them, but they were offered opportunities for it, but not the women. So women had to learn in other ways. And there was many industrious women that weren't going to be bound by culture either. They were going to learn one way or the other. They were hungry for the gospel. And thus they disturbed the meetings, you know, and uh, and whatever whatever means or way that they did, it brought discord. Paul is trying to lay down some direction for the New Testament church. And, you know, it was customary sometimes for the men and women to sit on women to sit on one side and men to sit on the other. But we don't understand that that's the case here, because, as you well know, most of the Christian congregations had no such law is that either. Those were Jewish customs that came in. Um, and I know we're reaching up here to about the last uh, two and a half minutes, uh, Doc, so I'm going to go ahead and stop for now and um, turn it back to okay. you. 
I, I am so I am so enjoying you. I'm enjoying this time. I I, yeah. I kid you not. You know that apostle and all these people think that I'm selfish because. I am keeping you back and whatever it is, but I think together. And when people see it, they like the synergy, they like the stuff, and then they like the subjects. And we're still telling it like it is. It's one of those places where we're not trying yeah. to hide anything or to to soften up. So need to hear this, and uh, you're bringing it yes. and you're bringing it with such joy until people uh, they don't feel beat up. And uh, I so appreciate. Right. And again, this is Apostle Baker J, who is a doctor in psychology, and Apostle Barry Cook, who is a doctor in theology. And I let you know which which areas it is. And I mean, because I'm not I'm not a, a, I'm not a theologian. I don't in theology, and so I bring on someone that has something there. But Barry also has the understanding, a lot of the understanding of the things that I do too. So. We can communicate and we'll be back next week when we're here still telling it. Bye. Go ahead.